You're listening to We're Only Human, hosted by Ben Eubanks on the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network. We're Only Human focuses and highlights how modern technology and new ways of working are creating a more people-centric workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.h3hr.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome. This is Ben Eubanks, and I'm glad to have you here for the new episode of We're Only Human. So it's been an exciting time with the Eubanks household lately. Um, by the time this probably airs, we will have a new baby in the house, um, baby number four. We're all excited about it, and uh, while it might not be a, a new experience for us, we are actually not finding out if this is a boy or girl. So it'll be one last exciting surprise for us and the family, um, just a lot of fun coming our way. So I wanted to go ahead and get a show recorded um, prior to that, just in case um, I'm out for a little while for that. So today's actually going to be a solo show. I'm working on some really interesting interviews in the coming in the coming months. Uh, can't wait to to share some details on those. Um, just really exciting stuff. A lot of fun talking about some of the trends, the real the real. Uh, issues and ideas and concerns on the top of mind for a lot of HR executives and just, uh, again, a lot of fun, excited about those. So today I just want to take a little bit of time and kind of talk through this idea of talent mobility. So I actually just, just presented a webinar on the topic. And so it's really top of mind for me. And one of the things I'd like to do is not just talk about things in general terms, but to talk about some of the data that's kind of pointing that direction, even if it's not directly linked to that, I'll get to what that is in a minute. And I also like to talk about examples. That's one of my favorite things to do is tell, tell stories, give some case studies, help people understand how it looks in practice. Because again, anybody can talk about, Hey, well, the data says this, the data says that let's look at what people are actually doing and how it actually looks in practice. So this idea of talent mobility kind of ties into this concept that I've kind of coined this phrase, build, buy, or borrow when it comes to talent. So for a long time, think about the ideas around how we get talented people only included build or buy. Do we um, build someone up? Do we grow them from inside? Do we just develop them? Or do we go out and buy someone in the marketplace. And this new way of thinking is sort of based on uh, the gig economy and some of these other things where we're looking at work not as this holistic big job anymore, but as a smaller discrete set of tasks, something that we can maybe outsource, something that we can we can share on workers or, or get those done in kind of a non-traditional way. And that's what I mean by borrow. Not necessarily that we're, we're borrowing someone um, Anyway, it, it's kind of a, a catch-all term. Anyway, I'm working on uh, defining that more clearly, as you can tell. But So it ties in with this idea of talent ability because it allows people to kind of point where they want to go, not just succession where the company says top-down, here's where you fit in our nine box. We think that you are going to be slotted for XYZ position. Carry on. In talent ability, you also consider the, the mindset of the employee, what they're wanting, the direction they want to go, things like that. And the value of this practice is pretty obvious when you think about the fact that so many people leave organizations because they're looking for development. Or, on the flip side, they join organizations because they were promised development opportunities, only to find out later that that really might not have been completely true or wasn't uh, clear to them what that meant. So the idea of recruiting internally and bringing that talent up to the organization 
It's really an exciting prospect. And I think there are a couple of trends that kind of play into this. So when you think about in history, you know, we hear about, you know, 30 years of the same company, get your gold watch, things like that. I think also at that time, one of the things that was common was there was a very linear career path. You were a, an associate, then you were a junior, then you were a senior, then you were a principal, then you were a, you know, whatever's after that people with this very linear career path think about like a a plumber you know getting all the way up from in that very first um, apprenticeship all up to being a journeyman being out on your own that same very linear career path today it's really challenging for some people to think about their career because it might weave in and out of different positions different fields different parts of the business before they ultimately land where they are so I think that's really just one thing that's kind of indicating that. Another is people want to control. It's really tied in with that. People want to control their career, their work. We want to be able to say, I'm interested in this. Give me more of that to do. One of the best managers I ever had, uh, her name is Christine. I love her to death. And she was really good at that. She always was pressuring me. And it, honestly, it was a little bit uncomfortable even though it was something as simple as tell me what you want to do and I'll give you more of that because it forced me to stop, get out of my rut, get out of my daily, how I felt about things and think about what did I really like to do and what did I want to do? Not just what I was good at, but what I wanted to do more of because it's hard to get out of your rut. Sometimes it's hard to get out of your own way and think about where do I want to be when I grow up? Because it's just not comfortable sometimes to analyze and examine that. And you have to commit to something. You have to pick a direction and go there. But I'm so thankful she did encourage slash pressure me to do that because it, it's been valuable for me in my career. Uh, I talked about kind of the gig economy. You know, workers are taking on these other gigs outside of work because they want either the challenge they want the money or they want both. They want some freedom and flexibility, again, in how they're, do, how they're doing work. So I think that's, those all kind of tie together. And honestly, in, in some cases for recruiting, it's getting harder and harder to source and recruit those high performers in some industries. Uh, I work with some local companies doing some recruiting and HR consulting here in Huntsville. Uh, on the side as a, again, my own gig, I guess. And uh, the thing that I've noticed is we are having an incredibly difficult time for some companies finding the technical talent that they need. And that just reiterates what I've seen in studies over the last couple of years around recruiting and TAs. People have the hardest time finding technical talent. And I'm seeing this stuff day after day, how this actually works and, and the kind of challenges they're having. And the kind of response or lack of response they're getting from candidates when we reach out. I mean, great benefits package, excellent pay, good company, just a good flat company, great culture, you know, all those things. And you can't get someone to be responsive and to move from where they are. Again, it, it's not a, it's not, um, it obviously happens at times, but it's just more challenging than it used to be. Um, from what I recall when I was doing this stuff several years ago, kind of in the trenches, uh, <laughs> When I talked about this this idea of the gig economy at the HR Tech Conference during my presentation, I threw up a, a fake statistic about 287% disengagement just to get people's attention and remind them that we always see these numbers. And we, we just become kind of you know immune to the effects of how that should make us feel when we see that the majority of our people just aren't connected, aren't engaged, aren't excited about their work. So that's what the kind of thing that, that triggers that for me. There's so much disengagement. And I think those things all feed into this need for some a focus on talent ability. So let's look at some of the research that kind of feeds into that. So it's funny. I've had this pet hypothesis for a while 
and I've had a hard time validating, but it's, it's fun to look at anyway to think about. My thought was, I keep hearing this about millennials want career development. They want career development. That's all they want. And I was curious if they want that because it's been because of what they really want, number one, because people, because that's what they truly desire, or is it because that's what they've been sold in the hiring process? When they go and talk to someone for a job, they're worried about them not sticking around. So they say, hey, you know, we have this great career path laid out for you. We have some opportunities for development and growth. Are they selling them that in the hiring process, or is it truly what those millennials are are craving and asking for? I'm just kind of curious which one, the chicken or the egg there. Again, I don't have a, the answer to that, but it's something that I've kind of noodled over for a while now. So look at some other sources of data. So Glassdoor says that 9 out of 10 of their users are either actively looking for jobs or would consider a better opportunity if it came along. 9 out of 10. That's pretty heavy. Gallup says that 93% of workers that took a new job did so outside their company. So to back out of that, 7% of people that took a new job did so internally. That's, that's pretty crazy to think that of all the jobs we have available, only 7% of those people moved into that from an internal slot. That's so much opportunity to grow that number with people that understand your culture, your way of doing work, and your customers, those kind of things that might be hard to teach someone that doesn't come from within your business. Uh, Gallup also says that the number one, or sorry, the primary reason that employees look for change is to have the chance to expand their knowledge and user strengths. So they want to do that same kind of thing I talked about again a minute ago with my old boss, Christine, that she was trying to find ways for me to use my strengths more. That's what people are looking for. Okay. I4CP did a study earlier this year around talent mobility and one of their kind of key things was managers that hold on to talent are bad for the business. And I call them talent hoarders, people that say, you know, it's all mine, it's mine, it's mine. To the detriment of the rest of the organization, I'm going to do my best to hold these people. And then, as we know, they ultimately end up leaving because those managers hold them so tightly when they could have been a valuable contributor somewhere else in the company if they had been allowed to. Okay. Deloitte says that high-performing companies have a complex set of processes that really facilitate and enable mobility to take place for those people. And they see it not just as a, again, a talent kind of practice, but as a business practice so that the organization is more adaptable to challenge and more flexible and able to agile and able to meet those kind of challenges. I think that's really neat. Okay. Uh, let's see. What other data points did I have? Oh, I pulled this comment from a, from a LinkedIn conversation around talent mobility because this is very this will be very common for you if you if you're in the trenches you're going to understand this very well so it says hey i agree these ideas sound great but it seems like companies aren't willing to invest in their employees today it's like you have to progress through your career by leaving the organization to take on new responsibilities i think companies are focused on now and surviving rather than how they can develop people long term and again, so you're going to hear that and be nodding your heads because you know that that's the case. That's just how either it is it your business or it's been for a business in the past where you've worked. So looking at this idea of talent ability, I want to give you a couple quick stories about a few companies that do it and just to give you some ideas on how it works and what it looks like. So there's a company called uh, World Bank Group, large nonprofit organization, global and this was the first that I really, this is actually the, the case study, the story that got me excited about the idea of talent building in the first place. So they actually created an internal talent marketplace. They had a hiring freeze on. They were going through a lot of internal restructuring challenges, you know, the change management nightmare that we've all seen. 
And so they put a hiring freeze on just so they could kind of get past this. And they said, wait a minute, we still need to get jobs done. Things still need to be accomplished. Projects, you know, are going to be left unfinished because we need to hire people to get this done. So they built this internal talent marketplace. I call it their eBay for talent. And it started kind of as an L&D initiative. Hey, we'll give these people like some experiential learning opportunities and train them up. But they quickly realized that there's a lot of value there for keeping people engaged, keeping them retained for long term, and also for getting work done with a diverse group of people that might not have otherwise been able to interact and connect. So it's really valuable for everyone involved. And the key mindset shift for World Bank Group was that they saw their staff as corporate citizens, not just a proprietary resource with a sole allegiance to their business unit. This person is a shared resource with the company, not just owned by that manager, which we talked about the I4CP data a minute ago that kind of tied into that. So I think that was a good example of how that kind of works out. Another example is Hootsuite. They're a technology company based here in the U.S., and their CEO actually wrote an article about their stretch program they recently initiated, they recently initiated because he felt so strongly about it and how important it was and the value it was bringing to the company. And he said, really, it's about more than just leveling up. You know, it's about more than just adding a skill for that person. It's about helping to expand into new skills and into new territory in the business, really. So their stretch assignment program is a 90-day period. It has to get signed off on by the manager that's loaning the employee out and the manager that's getting the employee under them for that period. For that 90 days, one day a week, that person goes and participates in a new type of role. Their manager, think about, think about it, their manager back, their back home manager basically, um, has to agree to spreading their workload out, reducing their job duties so that they can handle that one day a week with the other, with the other position. And one of the critical things they do is actually require learning plans from both managers. So if I'm sending you out as my employee, here's my learning plan for things I need you to learn so you can bring back to me as learnings. If you are being sent to me as the new manager for that temporary assignment, I've got to make some things, write some things down about what I expect you to learn so that you can bring me value things that you can teach me maybe or things that you can bring to our group that we don't have your, your skill set, your knowledge, your abilities, those things. So really neat idea. And that's how Hootsuite's managing theirs. It's supposed to be doing really well based on what CEO kind of uh, shared out there. Another example is Chipotle. So everybody's, uh, I don't know if your favorite little quick service Mexican restaurant, but they're a chain of Mexican restaurants based here in the U S uh, fast food, fast food organization. And, I heard their talent director speak a couple years ago, and it was just an amazing number. So he said before they started this process, they had 52% store manager turnover. So that's pretty significant, not just in the, the rank and file employees, but in the store managers themselves. So once they started putting some of their new practices or new policies in place, their turnover for salary managers dropped to just 35%, which is still you know, kind of high, but in, in the fast food, it's not so bad. And then for hourly managers, it dropped 64%. It went from 111%, so it was more than 100% per year, down to 47 So what does that, that really means? All those numbers thrown out there, what it really means is once they started hiring from within, promoting from within, for their manager positions, instead of going and looking outside their organization, their turnover dropped significantly. People were much more likely to stick around and do a good job. And I think part of that, again, this is my own take on it, but I think part of that is because the people that take those manager positions have been there, done that, 
you know, got the battle scars from having to serve up the cheese or the guacamole or whatever else, and they understand what it takes so they can talk to the employees in terms that make sense to them and they understand instead of it being someone far distant or moved that just comes in and, and points a finger and says, go do your job. I think that's part of it, just one little part of the, the bigger thing. One other thing that Chipotle does really well is they actually have this manager development incentive program. So if I'm a manager and I bring in, you know, Steve and I'm going to train him up and teach him and coach him and he becomes a manager of a restaurant, I get $10,000 as a bonus because I brought him up, developed him, coached him and helped him to be successful because they realize there's so much success of the organization tied into those managers and how well they do. So if you can bring someone through the ranks and they turn out to be a great manager, then it more than pays for that $10,000 bonus that they're handing out. So that's really cool. And just to get an idea, in 2010, they paid more than a million dollars in those people development bonuses. So I think that's really just a great, a great point, a great example of how to do that and do it well. One other quick example, a company called Tata Consultancy Services. They're a, they're a large business process outsourcing consulting firm, global organization, just massive. They're part of Tata organization, which is, um, again, one of the world's biggest companies. And they really believe heavily in grooming their internal people to take leadership roles. They believe it so strongly that if you look at their org chart, the CEO, the CTO, and the CFO all join Tata as trainees. Okay, they weren't individual contributors. They weren't you know, senior level people. They started as trainees, and they grew up through the organization into the CEO, the CTO, and CFO slots. Arguably, some of the, the most important positions in the entire, <laughs> the most important set of positions in the entire company. I mean, so really, just cool. One of the things they do at Tata is they actually encourage their employees. They don't just let them do it. But they encourage them to share their career aspirations and tell them the directions they want to go. So it's really just a different kind of mindset shift for some companies to stop and think that we want you to tell us where you want to go so that we can then understand and try to direct your career and support it as you're growing and developing. So it's just a really neat idea, getting a lot of fun. So the idea of talent ability is, is just one that is a great practice for companies to, to kind of carry out. And I would say if you're trying to get kind of your head wrapped around that, some of those case studies will give you a good idea. Definitely look at your own internal talent whenever you have positions that are coming open or use your internal talent and the directions, their aspirations to help guide you into new areas that you might not have explored before. Um, Hootsuite gave an example in their article about they took someone from the marketing team, they plugged them into the sales team because that's where they wanted to go, and then they moved there permanently after that 90-day period was up. The plan was to create a new position entirely where they were creating kind of a a hybrid role to bring some of those marketing and sales insights together to enable the organization to be better. So there might be not even a role that you have today, but a role that you're going to have two years from now that no one even can think about because of uh, the intersection of technology or process or, or some other practice. So again, just a lot of fun, a lot of fun to talk about and dig into that. Definitely, if you want to learn more about that, uh, I'll be posting about it sometime very soon on the Lighthouse website, Lighthouse Research, LHRA.io, if you want to check that out. And uh, you can always email me and uh, or catch me on Twitter, and I will definitely um, share any details or any research I'm doing on the topic. So, again, a lot of fun. I'm about to, about to wrap up for the day, go get ready for um, the baby that's going to be coming anytime now. Every time that phone rings, my heart just starts racing, expecting it to be a baby, and it's always uh, 
so far it's always something much more mundane and less exciting. So I know that that phone call is coming sooner or later. So anyway, thank you guys, and I <laughs> I will catch up with everybody very soon. Enjoy uh, the future episodes of We're Only Human, and make sure to check out the HR Happy Hour Network for the other shows on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to We're Only Human with Ben Eubanks on the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network. To learn more and to listen to the show archives for We're Only Human and all the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network shows, go to www.h3hr.com. And remember to subscribe to the HR Happy Hour Network podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast player app.